Horror Mind and Crime. Welcome back to another episode. How's Welcome it going, Lo? To the shit show. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Welcome, creepies. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um, Welcome back. Yeah, literally the shit show. She's not wrong. I think we got it under control, though. It's yeah, just fingers crossed. <laughs> It's just one of those days. Talk about he said, she said bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> so, I have to start this episode out with a really funny story. Give it to me. So, this woman went to a White Sox game and a uh, gun discharged and they think that she snuck it in through her fat rolls. Through her what? Her fat rolls. Oh my goodness. Can you That's imagine? the funniest thing <laughs> that I've ever heard. <laughs> and if the two people were injured... And it was fired in the park. Um, initially speculated that it was like from a mile or so away. With further investigation, they uncovered something like very weird. Like authorities <laughs> now believe that the morbidly obese woman smuggled a pistol in to the south side of the venue, somehow evading metal detectors. And it went off by hiding it, the gun in her belly fat rolls. Dang, well, that's one way to sneak some stuff in. So I'll give you guys a minute to kind of like um, process that. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's like, that's dedication. Like, it's not funny that people got hurt and like people were, I'm sure, terrified and stuff. But just, like, the way that she smuggled it in is, like, just stupid funny. How uncomfortable is it, one, to hide it in there? And, and then, scary, because, like, it could just go off and kill you. Yeah. Hurt you, hurt, uh, shot two people. Um, and then it's just, like. After that, like, funny, not funny, but, like, is this going to, like, going through security now? Like, are, like, heavyset women going to be asked to lift up their bellies? Oh, my gosh. I don't, I don't think they can do that. Like, they just need better metal detectors. I don't get how it didn't go off. Because I feel like metal detectors go off when people have, like, pacemakers and stuff in their heart. Yeah, and that's, like, no inside idea. their body. I don't know. Was she wearing, like, body armor, like, on top of her, like, rolls in the gun and everything? I have oh no idea. Oh, my gosh. That's just, that's dedication. <laughs> So I had to share that with you guys because 
oh my god <laughs> like no just no you should be embarrassed of yourself like embarrassed that you can even hide stuff in there like i mean i get it you know people are overweight and it happens but i wouldn't publicly want to tuck stuff into my roles and advertise that i can do that like i feel like i have some weight i could shed around the edges i try to not bring attention to it like let alone add attention to it. <laughs> right right i try to be discreet about my my little roles um i don't like try to like <laughs> shove guns in them <laughs> I mean, also, what kind of, like, what kind of a gun was it? Like, was it a big one or, like, was it a really tiny one? Like, I want to see this, the picture of, like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was an AK-47. <laughs> <laughs> Just the freaking lar largest handgun a person can have. <laughs> uh, they take her to the interrogation room and all of a sudden like a can of cores is falling out and a bag of potato lays <laughs> I think it should just sorry that's just her purse oh, <laughs> we're not trying to like be insensitive but she did bring a gun and shoot people so also yeah. i don't care about <laughs> offending I'm her i'm not making fun of people i'm making fun of her <laughs> yes 100 percent stupidity leak yeah that's that's just next level stuff right there i kind of want to see a picture of her too well, that's what i'm saying like i need i need the full picture spectrum of this situation like i will investigate it and see if we can get up on our social okay perfect because i'm like i need visuals with this story <laughs> I'm about to go Google the news story and see if uh if she her like picture and the gun and everything like made the news. Oh my god. <laughs> it's wild. But continuing on, so if you guys didn't listen last week, we did the hand that rocks the cradle. Um we took Kay down a crazy little roller coaster of a movie. Went back to yes. the 90s. I keep pulling her back into the 90s. Um, hey, that's my era. That's that's my that's the time I was born. So well, I didn't really get to fully experience it because I was, you know, very young. But uh, <laughs> but now I can go back and appreciate it. Yeah. So this story is kind of connected but not really it's just kind of link has certain links that are similar you know for as many nannies out there it was very hard actually to try to find a crazy nanny story it was, i was kind of surprised on that well, that's actually, that's a good thing. I'm glad about that. <laughs> now that I'm really thinking about it. <laughs> it's not true. good for like, you know, research purposes when we're trying to find something. But overall, it's a good positive thing, I guess. <laughs> so, Crystal, Dax, Monica, you guys all ready? 
I'm only ready if everybody goes back, if they haven't so already, and listen to to that episode so that you're just fully caught up. So if you didn't go listen to it, go listen to it right now and then come back here. We'll give you a pass because it was no. Labor Day weekend. But then you don't get a pass because there's like hours of driving coming back up north. So, but then if you had your kids in the car, but then they're playing on their iPads and not really listening. So I don't know. Like I'm on both sides. Like just yeah. Like do we give you a pass or do we not? Also, it's been like a week now, almost. Actually, not really, but like close. Well, well, by the time you're hearing this, it's been a week. So yeah, your pass is gone. Just go back. (laughs) Go listen to it. Just go back. You won't regret it. Okay, now I'm ready. So sorry. (laughs) So this is going to be a story about Jacob Ken. On June 22nd, 2016, Melissa Norby was babysitting her best friend's daughter, who was five years old, and her name was Brittany. This is a very normal thing. It was not out of the ordinary for Brittany to go and stay the night at Melissa's house. Um, kind of like, you know, Crystal, I'm tired of my kid. You want to take her? <laughs> Going out of town. You want to take her? Uh, I got you. <laughs> but uh, Brittany had four other siblings, and she lived with her mom and Scott and Amanda, which were her parents. Amanda and Melissa had been best friends for 30 years, so they were lifelong friends. So when Brittany would go over to Melissa's house, it was kind of like a special occasion. You remember when you were little and you'd have a babysitter or whether it was a mom's friend or a cousin or aunt or whatever, and they would secretly let you stay up later. Maybe they'd give you that extra junk food. They'd let you watch the movies that mom wouldn't let you watch. Um, Well, that was kind of what Melissa was to Brittany. And they just had girl time and they were fun and, you know, maybe a little secret club, but not bad secret club. Good secret club. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Melissa, or to her friends, you know, Missy, um, she went by Missy more so than Melissa, but she was 35 years old. She was single. She lived at 3900 Arvin Avenue, and that's in Bemidji, and that's in the Hillcrest Manor Trailer Park in Minnesota. Missy had one son, but she shared custody with his father, so he kind of bounced back and forth a lot between the two of them. It was around 3.30 a.m. when things took a terrible twist. This was like every parent's worst nightmare. A 911 call was placed with reports of a trailer on fire. When the firefighters arrived at the scene, they had said that not only was the trailer on fire, but it actually exploded to the point where the windows blew out of the trailer. Damn, that's a big... That's a big explosion. Yeah. So now Missy would normally have her son there or not. Like I said, he does bounce back and forth. But luckily her son was out of town or he was with his dad for the weekend. Wherever he was, her son was not there. 
The firefighters immediately drew suspicion of arson and they found gas can in one of the bedrooms, which is kind of weird, like, okay. So red flags went up quickly and it went from a trailer being on fire to this was intentional, like, this is arson. Yeah, when you find, like, a gas can, I feel like that's got to be, like, okay. <laughs> Something like who just keeps who just keeps a gas can like that in, in their bedroom? I, I keep one next to my nightstand. Y'all don't do that? That's not a thing? No? Oh. Is it just take. me? Or, I'm sorry, just me who doesn't do that? <laughs> Hang on. Take gas can out of house. Okay, got it. <laughs> got that done on your checklist. <laughs> Once the firefighters were able to get inside, they did not. They did find the charred body of Melissa Norley. Oh. Deputy Fire Marshal Kevin McHale was called to investigate, and he immediately noticed something suspicious. Uh, Melissa's body was under a mattress, and they were both burned badly. Her body was just, there was like nothing left. It was that charred. And it was in the middle of her home, which was kind of weird. But, yeah. So, it's it's like a weird spot, like to to be in the center, like, but like the bed's in the center. That's weird. Yeah. So I don't know what the purpose of that was, but so the marshal went to say that it was very clear that the evidence of the explosion obviously was the cause of death, the cause of the fire. You could see how the glass was blown from the inside out and it went like 12 to 15 feet away from the trailer. He said that parts of the trailer had been totally destroyed, but the victim's bedroom had been that destroyed. That was more intact, but that was also where the gas can was too. Um, He said that it definitely looked like the fire was no accident. And he also wants to say that Melissa's death is likely not an accident either. When they looked at the victim, they seen that her hands were bound with tape and it appeared to be duct tape. And that's when they kind of backed down and they called the BCA, which is the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension. Um, Once they got involved, they all came to the same conclusion that something way more sinister is going on. Now, while all this is going on, Amanda pulls up and she immediately gets out of the car and she's screaming and yelling for Brittany. She just kept saying Brittany's name, my daughter, my daughter's in the house. The fire marshal proceeds to tell them that there was only one victim found in the house and that was Melissa's body. Melissa's son was not there, like we said earlier. And the next question is then, where's Brittany? Amanda goes and tells the cop that, you know, Melissa was babysitting and there's no way that Melissa would give her daughter to anybody else without permission. So where is her daughter? They asked her if they had a safety plan, like would Brittany know what to do if a house is on fire? 
And she said that she's a hundred percent convinced that Brittany would just stay wherever Melissa was. So the woods around Melissa's house is searched along with neighbors, cars, homes, anywhere they could possibly think that Melissa would tell her to go or that she would go or anything that would be familiar to Brittany, but she was nowhere to be found. The cops are starting to look at Brittany's parents, but then they quickly learned on that night um, that Amanda was supposed to be babysitting. Brittany was having a sleepover over there. Amanda tells Crime Watch Daily that she allowed her daughter to stay at Melissa's house at least 20 different times of the course of Brittany's life. Like, Brittany was only five, so, I mean, that kind of tells you, like, the relationship was again, 30 years long and 20, 30 times staying the night over there, that's probably most of Brittany's life at that age. Right. Eventually, Brittany brings their, I'm sorry, eventually Brittany's father is brought into it and they start questioning him and they're going through the phones and just hours of investigating to where now they're fairly certain that Brittany's parents had no involvement in their daughter's disappearance. And that's when they also begin to realize the magnitude of what they are dealing with. So the investigators are wondering, was there a different motive here? Was Melissa murdered? Was she murdered and then set on fire? Like, which, if she was bound and burned, it shouldn't take that hard to get to that that, that leap should be pretty short. But was Brittany the target or was Melissa the target? So now it's time to look into Melissa's past. Detective Heather Holden and Michelle Leffelman immediately tracked down Melissa's ex-boyfriend. He was very cooperative. He didn't, he did have a conviction of arson in the past, but they did some investigating and he had an alibi. They checked him out pretty thoroughly and they let him go. So now Brittany is still missing and it expanded to a point to where they decided to make it mandatory to look at predatory offenders in the city. Um, even in the county, they started asking to get consent to search people's homes. Cops questioned one of Melissa's neighbors who babysat her son from time to time. And allegedly, Melissa and him did have a sexual relationship, but it was so long ago, like, they feel like he wasn't really a deep suspect either at that time. At this point, they're now talking to everyone from social media. They're talking to anyone from her past, any when she dated, neighbors, co-workers, like everybody and anyone who knew the victim. They also come to find out that Melissa was very into what we call daddy's girl type of scenarios. Um, that was kind of her sexual preference was daddy's little girl, which is ew. Um, yeah. And not they said, <laughs> no, not mine either. Um, 
but they said she did like it rough. So she was kind of, she was a, a kinky little thing. Well, yes and no. I, I I find it hard to call daddy's little girl kinky. To me, that's just daddy. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Melissa had a friend named Tuesday, and she tells the cops um, that there was a man named Chance that was in Melissa's life. So they decided, okay, well, let's take a chance on Chance. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, it was nicknamed Melissa had gave to the man, but secretly dating him on and off. She claimed that the sex was rough, but had even turned a little too violent for her at times. If there was a night where the evening had ended, um, there has been nights where evenings had ended with him punching her, choking her. Uh, he even put her in the back of the SUV and raped her at one point. So he's like chance to rape her instead of rap her. Yeah. Oh my gosh, literally, wow. Sorry. Sorry, Chance. No, that that honestly like is sad, but like that pun was like that worked out great. <laughs> Tuesday isn't the only friend Melissa confided in about her relationship. So she talked to a few more detectives and learned that Chance's real name is actually Jake. And he owns a food truck called Jake's Eats, and they immediately know who he is. So obviously, he had a run-in with the law before because that name was not strange to the police once he realized what his real name was. Jacob Ken, aka Chance, was a registered sex offender, well known to the law. And, uh, yeah, so let's go talk to Chance. So before this gets any further, I just want to let you know, like, um, it gets a little darker and it gets a little bit of, um, he's a piece of shit and makes my blood boil that I even have to say this. Oh gosh. I'm, I'm he, unprepared. I mean, it. We'll just leave it there. It's not as dark as I'm making a sound, but it it's gross. Oh, gosh. All right. Uh, he actually put an ad out on Craigslist asking of photos of for young girls. And the ad went up, and the sheriffs got wind of it. So they sent an undercover deputy to pose. And when they got there, um, they found Chance. He was trying to get pictures of eight-year-old little girls. Ew. Yeah. Um, so he got himself in some trouble with that, but, you know, just, just a daily for Jacob. I guess Jacob, so. Jacob Ken was still on probation for that offense. But now he was also the prime suspect in the murder of Melissa and now the kidnapping of five-year-old Brittany. And the cops needed oh, to find gosh. him like yesterday. 
Ew, that yeah. this is like this is like going so south. Like the fact that he previously was trying to get pictures of little girls and now this little girl is missing. I don't like where this is going. And why does he think like Craigslist? Like moms are just gonna be like, oh, use my daughter. Ew. <laughs> right. <laughs> like what mom is on Craigslist thinking that that would even be it? a good possibility or an option like that's so bizarre so chad muses he was one of the lead detectives on the case and he got a hold of detective holden and detective wolfman and they were first to arrive at jacob's house but when they arrived at 10 30 p.m they were left disappointed and devastated when there was no sign of Jacob or the girl. So detectives had to figure out a new plan to get some help from Jacob's probation officer. The probation officer called him with a non-threatening phone call saying, hey, we have a missing child. We'd like to talk to you about it. He agreed to come in and meet for a conversation. He met with Detective Paul Girardi and Chad Muses. So, the thing about Jacob was he was obsessed with child porn as well. Uh, he almost continuously oh throughout his day accessed some image sharing sites of young girls like constantly. So when That's Jake foul. Yeah, I told you it's kind of gross to read. It may not be gross as in like bloody and gore, but this is almost grosser. Yeah, no, this is worse. Yeah. When Jacob gets there, the detectives start questioning him and asking him if they know why he's here. And Jacob quickly admits to knowing that he knows about the fire and Melissa and the missing girl. He goes on to say that he hasn't talked to Melissa in like six, eight months. He said they worked together, but that was it. Jacob denies ever being in a relationship or even having a sexual relationship with Melissa. Detectives say they hear otherwise, and him and Melissa were actually dating before he goes on to deny it. Jacob says he heard the same thing, and he believes he knows why Melissa would say that they were dating. So the detectives were like, well, why would she say that? He's like, because I was dating another girl and it just pissed her off. Okay. That's sure. the reason to say she's dating you. Yeah. He goes on to insist that he and Melissa had never had any sex and he didn't have sex with her because he wasn't the least bit attracted to her at all. The detectives move on to show them pictures of the missing girl and he says he recognizes her. He met her a long time ago, though, when she was a toddler. Now, that doesn't sit right with the detectives because they're like, you recognized Brittany, like, real quick, just like looking at the picture. How are you going to recognize her as Brittany if you haven't seen her as she, since she was a toddler? Like, they wouldn't look the same. So the math ain't mathing here, sir. Now, at this point, detective had already pinged his phone and they gone through his phone and all the phone rigmarole and, well, probably no more than what Jacob wanted 
them to know. They asked him where he's been for the last 48 hours, and he said he's been fishing up north at Clear Lake, about 50 miles north of Bermingia. They tell him that's kind of funny because your phone pinged you 40 miles south, east, in a town called Big Fork. They tell him that they don't believe him. He argues that he was fishing at a resort on shore, but he just can't remember the name of it. Detectives proceed to tell them that it doesn't matter because your phone doesn't put you there at that spot. And if you can't prove it, we have a problem. And he said, well, that's where I was. Detectives proceed to say that, well, your cell phone towers put you here and over here. Now, despite whatever the cell phone says, Jake says that him and his sis been fishing, he insists that he's been fishing all day and he's not budging on his story and he's sticking to it. That's like a sign of guilt to me. Well, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Can't prove otherwise. Right. Especially when you proclaim it like that. I feel when people say that, like, yeah, you're a fucking liar. Like, Yeah, exactly. Detectives asked if they could search. Uh, Jacob refused to let them, but he said the reason is because I just don't trust you guys. How many times have we heard that in cases? Yeah, I don't trust you. You're just going to frame me. You're just going to pin it on me. Okay. It's because he knows he's guilty. Okay. Now, at this point, the cops are certain that Jacob had murdered Melissa, and they're just desperately trying to find this little girl. Like, And they need to keep him from leaving because time is running out, but they need to find a way they can pin him, too. Uh, Jake gave him an ultimatum. You can either... Get a judge and go search my shit in my truck or I'm leaving and I'm taking my truck with me. At that point, Jake tries to bolt out of the room, but they push him back down and they're like, you know, sit down. He ain't going anywhere. Stupid ass. Uh, there's some hard <laughs> Well, it's like when people try to bolt out of a like interrogation room with two cops there, where do you think you're going? And you're in a police station. Right. Like, like they're going they're going to catch you it's like just sit down and shut up bro maybe not <laughs> shut up talk to me but tell me truth but sit um, down and, but yeah but sit down puff your chest at me y'all know we got guns on our hips right some little laser right. lasers okay some of them might have guns in their in their fat rolls you never know <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Oh my gosh. Hey, maybe that's a new way to do a quick draw. Right? That's going to be my new way. <laughs> so there's arguing going back and forth. And finally, he was free to go. Uh, they tell him to, you know, don't go anywhere far because we're coming for you. But he's telling, you know, I want my I want an attorney. I'm not talking no more. So four hours later, Jacob offers one of Melissa's personal items, but the cops have no choice 
fight to let Jacob go. They do take his clothes, they take his Jeep, and they take his phone. Literally, they sent him home because at this point, they really don't have enough to hold him yet. But that's going to change, y'all. Good. <laughs> Minutes after Jacob walks out, uh, the agents, William Bennett and Jake Hoda, they get their special equipment to access everything on this phone. And what they find, ew, basically just child pornography and pictures and photos and everything gross. Um, yeah. So, and they find, basically it's just a walking confession of a child predator. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, they claimed that they could see sexual desires and it was all in images of other kids and it was just a lot of disturbing stuff that once you see you can't unsee and it wasn't long until one of the detectives yelled bingo and said you guys have to come and see this so this is where it really starts to suck um there's a text message between jake and melissa and messages and details for an elaborate plan for the two of them to kidnap Brittany. Now, remember, this is like Melissa's best friend of 30 years, okay? Yeah, I was about to say, what the fuck? I was like, Melissa and, was in on this? Yeah, and it was so detailed and documented very completely. According to the text messages, the kidnapping was actually supposed to happen earlier in the week. But Brittany got sick or something happened, and it didn't work out. Um, so he was pretty upset that Brittany wasn't coming over. Uh, the initial plan was that Melissa was going to be assaulted, like a carjack, basically. And then something unknown was going to happen, and Jacob was going to take Brittany. Once the plan was executed, the little girl and the little girl was in their own clutches. They were going to hide the girl so Ken could keep her forever as himself. They actually nicknamed her Jacob's toy. Okay. He's he's horribly foul and disgusting, but I'm more pissed off at Melissa. Like, like what the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, to do that, that to your best friend. I mean, to do that in general, but then to do that to someone you've known for 30 years, Year, like basically her whole life that's just horrible yeah. crystal if you give my daughter away to your boyfriend i will probably kill you just saying oh my gosh literally i would <laughs> deserve it if i did that <laughs> i'm just gonna go ahead and put that in our contract as bffs okay yeah <laughs> right if you, if you give my daughter to your boyfriend as a sex slave then um i'm probably gonna have to just kill you go for it because i would i would 100 percent deserve it if i did that <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll get that in writing later. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Could you imagine if we took that contract to your mom to sign as a witness? She'd be like, what the, be like, what the hell? What am I signing? She'd be like, you guys are, you guys are dark. <laughs> you guys are idiots. Get out of my house. <laughs> yeah, basically. So once the plan was executed, the little girl was in her, um, like I said, in their clutches, and they were going to let her keep him and they would call the plan was like Jacob's 
boy, which is, uh, she's five disturbing. and gross. Not her. She's not gross. Oh. It's gross. Like They're gross. Yes. Um, so why would most allow someone to do this? Like, is the big question too. Like, 30 years of friendship and over some skeezy ass douchey freaking child predator like you're that fucked up that you need like, love that bad you're gonna yeah like something's clearly wrong with her well I guess it doesn't really matter now but um, it's right, noted that still. she would do she would do anything to be with Jacob she just wanted a relationship at all costs well clearly so Jacob basically maintained his relationship with Melissa to get to Brittany. Man, it's doing some like crazy lightning outside my house right now. Okay. <laughs> really? So yeah, it's like a strobe light out there. <laughs> it's the lasers. Yeah. You guys don't know what I'm talking about. Look it up. <laughs> I'll have to do it later. Been an alien thing. <laughs> No, apparently the government lasers to um, create weather, and they've been testing it out in Michigan. Are you serious? <laughs> Is that a joke? So I've heard. Oh, you're serious? That's no, but I've, I'm serious. There's more to it. We could talk about it okay. later. <laughs> I won't get into it. Okay, so back to creepy, creepy Jake. Um, Forget now- my conspiracy theories. <laughs> We'll have to dig on that. She'll have a story for next week on that. Yeah. Tune in next week. <laughs> so now investigators may never know why kidnapping Brittany was a plan. They never carried it out technically the way Melissa wanted it to. I mean, I don't think being charred in her trailer is part of the plan, like ever. <laughs> Probably not part of her plan. So senior agent Chad Muse said that the idea was Jacob's diabolical plan probably like all along. Melissa was probably just a means to an end. Now, during the time of the investigations, detectives had other spatial agents. Um, They investigated the house and then they had Robert Frick. He was from Big Fork. Um, They were searching for the little girl as well. And it was in the middle of the night, so the street lights aren't very big there. Um, kind of like when you leave my house, and you know how dark it is when you leave my house. That's kind of like what they're dealing with. Super dark. <laughs> kind of creepy, and I live here. Um, <laughs> so they're dealing with that. But before the sh- sheriff left the station, they got a good look at Jacob's undercarriage. <laughs> <laughs> did they now? <laughs> they did. Um, but more so the undercarriage of the Jeep. Um, it had a lot of vegetation grass on it, yellow and white flowers, uh, muddy tires. So that was a lot of like, okay, where have you been? You know, like there's a lot of evidence left on this Jeep. This isn't like just driving down the main road. Right. Um, so it was pretty clear, like he was in a wet area, possibly driving through a hay field. Um, it's summertime, so they have to go through a lot of grass, some wildflowers. 
one of the dispatchers said that uh, they told him that Jake was on his own property and it was about 3.1 miles from the cell phone tower. But Mother Nature decided to give these detectives a huge break and help them out because there's a heavy downpour overnight. So a lot of roads um, that they were checking, it was relatively empty. So there wouldn't be a lot of traffic going up and down these roads. So during the search for Brittany, they would find fresh tire marks. And what do you know? The two men making their way towards where the tower was telling them they were, they found a set of tracks. And it was on and it was on Jacob Ken's family property. You could see that there was tracks coming off the gravel road under the pavement of dirt and then kind of deposited it like in other spots. Basically, it's just saying like, okay, you can see where tracks start and finish. Um, so they stopped. They started taking photos of the tire marks and all the where the tire marks were going and it matched with Jake's Jeep. So that was a good sign. And then about a half a mile down the road, it came to an end. And they said that nobody drove down the road for at least weeks in that area. So the man got out, they started following the tracks by foot, headed out to those tracks and just focusing all their efforts like there's got to be something that's got to lead somewhere after for a walking about a half a mile detectives spotted a camper off in the distance to where the tire tracks stopped as they got closer they seen that the door to the camper was taped shut with electrical tape which okay because that's not going to break if you hit hard enough but whatever right um, so detective goes in there and he opens the door and he has the most incredible moment of his career. Probably he found Brittany. She was taped up and bound, but she was alive inside sitting there. And he grabbed his cell phone, turned on the camera and they asked what her name was. She said her name was Brittany. And they said, Brittany, how did you get here? She said, Missy's friend brought me here. Both agents were trembling with pure joy. They said just the adrenaline was pumping so hard. And they said, okay. Um, they got a hold of the detectives back at the station and basically FaceTimed uh, the cop holding the little girl. And he said, arrest him. So they packed up Brittany. They were taking her to the station. She was able to even describe the vehicle that she was in. She knew that it was Missy's friend that was driving. And she said it was white and it had his name on it. Uh, her ankles and legs were taped together, which showed officers, you know, some scrapes and bruises on her arm. Um, she told them that she's been to the man's house. She described the color, the size. Told them there was a cat and she got to play with the kitten. 
after they rescued Brittany from the camper, they basically, yeah, they were all just overwhelmed. Like, because you don't get very many stories of happy endings, right? Yeah, when another body is charged. Sadly, you know? yeah, sadly not. So this had to be like a huge moment. I can't even imagine. He was actually, Jacob was actually located on his way back to Big Fork. He said that he was going, they said that he was either going to kill her or move her and hide her. Either way, it was not going to be good for Brittany. He was going to do whatever he could to keep the agents from finding her. Hours after he was released, following a night of questioning, Jacob is back at the station he was giving another chance to come clean. At this point, he did not know the girl had been rescued and that his kidnapping plan has basically just been destroyed. He's still denying everything. After a few minutes, Jacob wants to know why he's being arrested, what changed between two hours and now. And that's in one the special agent Paul Girardi shows him what changed, revealing the picture of the little girl in the arms of Detective Rob. Now they say, do you want to start over? We know you know more than what you're saying. And this is a good time to start talking. So at this point, Jacob starts talking. Um, he basically admitted to knowing Brittany he, you know, described what the role of Brittany was supposed to be and, you know, what they wanted out of Melissa, what he wanted out of Brittany. It's early, this point, June 22nd, 2016, uh, Jacob had choked Melissa to death with a belt while he had sex with her and brought the girl she was babysitting to the house where he'd raped her and then left Thankfully, Brittany did not have to tell the story of being tortured, abused in open court because Jacob cut a deal with prosecution, pleading guilty to three felonies of kidnap, first degree, criminal sexual conduct with a minor, and second degree of unintentional murder. Now, you may ask why unintentional murder, and that's because Melissa liked her sex really rough and it was kind of a sexual gratification for her. So getting choked out, it could be argumentative that she was accidentally killed, according to Agent Paul Girardi. Jacob was sentenced to 52 years in prison. Uh, the plan meant that young victim Brittany would not have to face him in court, but her voice was still heard and she did write a powerful letter. She told him she hated him. She does not like the way he plays with her and he does not like the way he acted, but thank you for letting me play with your kitties. Aww, oh my gosh. Brittany's grandmother, Michelle, she said that basically he bribed the babysitter or bribed the baby with kitties because she loved animals so much 
but she was strong enough with everything that he did to her to still be thankful that she got to play with a kitty cat. Like, Aww. that, like, brings tears to everybody's eyes. I bet there wasn't a dry yeah. eye in the house. That's um, heartbreaking. Melissa and Jacob were originally wasn't to kill Brittany, but at the same time, like, he carried out a different plan. He killed Melissa and like just the whole diabolical plan is just the devil himself is coming out. I can only hope and pray that when it went down the way it did, because backing out, we'll, we'll actually never know um, why Melissa backed out. Hopefully it was for a good cause and decided like, yeah, I can't do this to this baby girl, but um, Amanda Smith says her daughter is still processing what happened and she's coping with all of it. She says she'll tell us, you know, that Brittany has nightmares. She has flashbacks. She talks about it at school, some of her teachers, her therapists, but Brittany's mom, Amanda Smith says that uh, despite everything she's been through, her daughter is thriving and is still rambunctious. She's a little tomboy that she's always been. She likes beating up her brothers, playing, riding bikes, playing games, and taking selfies. I mean, who doesn't like a good selfie, girl? You get it. Right. They also put a statement out to investigators who worked that night to bring Brittany home, and they said that their family is very grateful. If it wasn't for them, they would have lost her. And after all said and done, though, Brittany is the biggest hero of them all. She is resilient. She is like a rock. Uh, nothing is going to break this girl. As for Jacob, his 52-year-old prison sentence could be extended if the child pornography is found on this phone leads to federal charges. I got my information. Well, hopefully from it does. Oh my God. Yes. He deserves like 9 million years in jail. And yeah. you know, this came from True Crime Daily, KAL News, and Minds of Madness podcast. Yeah. He deserves, well, he deserves some other things, but the very least, a lifetime in prison. Oh my God! He should—that's just sick. He needs to go to prison with a tag on the back of his shirt that says what he did, so he just gets his ass beat every day, right until he's about to die. But then he doesn't, and then he heals, and then it starts all over again, and it's just like a purgatory over and over again. Where they bring him. Oh, I love that for him. Yes. Yeah. But then he doesn't die. But then he has to go through it again. Because I want him to suffer. I think hopefully the people. Hmm? Oh, as you said, hope, yeah. Hopefully the people in there know what he did, uh, so they can do what they do in there and torture him. Yeah, it cut out for a second, but I'm assuming you said hopefully the people in there knows what he did. Yep, exactly. Okay. Yeah, I think we're having a little bit of a minor technical difficulty. Maybe it's because it's like lightning like crazy. Maybe it's the government. 
maybe it's my people coming to try to talk to me. I don't know what's going on tonight. All the possibilities are endless. But we're pushing through, man. We're powering through because that's what we do. Hell yeah. So, but yeah, that was just kind of my, it wasn't really a nanny babysitting story. Like she didn't try to take over, but the way she deceived her friend and was trying to steal Brittany for her sick ass boyfriend. Like that was kind of dark for me. That was my connection to the hand that rocks the cradle. I like it. I like the connection and I see it. Um, yeah, both dark in different ways. Gross to me. But I'm glad yeah. that he got caught and I'm glad glad Brittany was found safe. Um, so all is right with this story as the outcome. And next week, hopefully we will have, not hopefully, we will have <laughs> a good story being delivered by Kay. Um, yes. Stay tuned for that. We'll have another one coming at you guys. So... I guess on that note, don't kidnap other people's kids. Don't Facts. have creepy, dirty, nasty, violent sex with predators. Facts. And, Big facts. But also stay creepy. And, and facts on facts on facts. <laughs> I love it. Well, we gots to go, guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye.